If you do notes this morning, I'm going to have a lot of references. I'm not going to read every reference or we would be here until next Sunday. But First uh, Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to go to verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecy which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. We see that being shipwrecked wasn't something new that we deal with. And verse 20 says, Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme? Also, we told Timothy somewhere in there to show himself approved and to study. And if we don't study and we don't learn from our predecessors in while we're alive and, more importantly, by our predecessors in the Word of God. And this morning I'm going to talk about somebody that doesn't get a, usually a whole lesson talked about him about, but he's going to have one this morning. And that's Judas. When we look at his life, there ought to be something to learn. And I have seven lessons here, that priceless lessons, that I believe Judas taught us by his life. You think about the things that he lost. Personal presence of Jesus that he lost through his decisions in his life. You understand Judas was flesh and blood just like the other 11, just like us. He lost a powerful fellowship with the apostles and the body of Christ. He didn't have that no more. Although for three years he was around that. And the privilege of participating in the ministry, that was lost, gone, because of his decisions that he made. And he lost his reward in heaven ultimately because of his decisions. He couldn't even find repentance at the end of it. Oh. So these are the things that he lost. And we should be able to look at that and see what decisions did he make that made him lose this. This didn't happen all at once. What can we do to improve ourselves? Now, I want you to understand that this man, just like us, we've been around miracles. We've been around things that we've seen Jesus do, felt in our lives. Um, this man, according to Matthew 8, 1 through 4, he's seen Jesus clean a le cleanse the leopards. According to Matthew chapter 15, 32 through 39, he watched over 4,000 people be fed by just a few loaves. And, I, mean, I mean, he watched that. This is the same man. And according to John... Um, chapter 11, 38 through 44, 
He was there when Lazarus was raised from the grave. That's a pretty good feat, you know. <laughs> there was a, there was a rock in the way and everything at that point, and he had to have the rock removed. So this wasn't a setup gig, and he watched all this happen. According to Matthew 16 and 16, this is one of the most extraordinary things I think that happened was that he was sitting around the campfire one evening with all of them, and Jesus looked at him and said, "Who?" do people say I am? And then he said, who do you say I am? And in an instant, Peter, by the revelation of God, spoke who he was, that he was the Lord, the Messiah. The Christ. Judas was there. Judas was right there with them all when this conversation happened. He was there whenever legion when they came up on shore and legion was there and the devils cried out he watched as jesus spoke and all the devils came out into the swine and went over the hill that's matthew 8 chapter 8 28 through 32 that you can read about that they even watched him control the weather the one thing that baffles man that he, he, he we say we can't control. <laughs> but he could control the weather according to Matthew chapter 8, 23 through 27. So that's going to lead me into the first lesson that we should learn from Judas. He never changed. In John chapter 6, verse 70, the day after Jesus had the apostles, got them all lined up, he looked at them and said, one of you is the devil. He'd already called it out. So Judas started out a devil when it all started. And then he was with Jesus for three years. And the worst thing that could happen to somebody is to be with Jesus for three years and at the end of three years have no change. No change, yeah. No improvement. That points out it's not enough to just be where Jesus is. Right. It's not enough just to be around his power, around his anointing. That's not enough. It's not enough to hear the word of Jesus taught to you and not do any of it. Stony ground, yeah. It does no good. When, whenever you read something, and something in your soul says, hey, you need to change this, and you do nothing with it, that's mm-hmm. not enough just to hear it. And you can hear a lot of word through your life. You could come to every church service. You can go to, to church service every night of the week in this country if you wanted to. Somebody somewhere is having church, and you can hear the word of God, and you can read it every night. But if you don't do anything with it, it's not enough. So it's not enough just to hear the word. And it's not enough to just associate with believers. I'm not saying any of these things are bad and and these are things that you should do. But it's not enough just to come and hang out with, with Pastor Dave. You can hang out with me every day. Or hang out with Sister Shelley. Or hang out with anybody in here. Or any other Christian in the world. And that isn't going to be enough. The greatest challenge that you will do in your life 
is to let God change you. Judas wouldn't do that. He wouldn't allow the change to come in. Christianity is about a better you. That's what it's about. It's about you becoming something better tomorrow than what you are today. He says, I've given you the power to walk away from sin. I've given you the ability to live life, and you can tell that sin, I don't need to be no part of it. And I can reach forth to the mark of a higher calling in Christ. You have that ability now. And sometimes we forget that. We get ourselves into situations we think we're trapped inside this sin. There's more sin and more sin and more sin and all of a sudden we're buried inside of it. But Jesus keeps saying, you can walk out of this today. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say there wasn't some prices you're going to have to pay. But you can walk out of this. So Christianity is about a better you, a freer you. Somebody that is free from all that sin. Somebody that's free from that. Because sin drags you down. It tears apart your life. I can't change that. That's what sin does. And I don't care what it is. You may, you know, sometimes we think it, well, that ain't the same thing as that. I got news for you. These spirits have different manifestations. Just like we say with Christ, one spirit, but different manifestations. Sexual spirits, things like that. Lying spirits. All these spirits. And they come talking sweet. <laughs> Let me tell you, sometimes it's easy just to fall into that. <clears throat> we don't want to be so churchy that We're housed around Jesus, but we but we're never changed. Amen. That we're around him, but we're never changed by him. You can get all churchy and everything. But I find myself, the Lord says, you need to pull this out of your life. You need to, you need to get rid of this. You don't go there. Practicing some of his principles. I think his greatest principle to practice in this world has always been take every thought in the captivity of Christ. Yeah. That means when that thought comes across, this isn't of God, let's throw it out, let's move forward. Right. And that is one of the hardest things because we would like to dwell on some of our wicked thoughts. <clears throat> but instead, we need to be looking at Christ saying, change to my attitude. Give me change to my morality. Morality and attitude is important. This, this world wants to say, and it's easy. There's Christians that want to say that morality is not important. Not in this day and age. This day and age is different. I got news for you. Rome did the same thing when this stuff was being written down. Greece did the same thing when this stuff was being written down. Before that, the Egyptians did the same type of things. Go back in history. Nothing has changed, not one thing. The day isn't different. People still made the same decisions to do sinful things back then in the same way that they're doing it now. 
But society can move in and say something different, but it's always done that. Everybody acts like the, some of this stuff is new. I can take you back to the 1920s and show you some of the things that were going on that are still going on today. <laughs> they changed. We're born into sin, shaped in iniquity by our mother's womb. You did it without choice. It is easy to sin. And without the Spirit of Christ, it's almost next to impossible not to fall into sin. I'm just telling you. Because any of us can walk out here and sin today. That's easy. We were born, to, we were born into that. It's natural. And importantly, change my spirit to be more like the spirit of Christ. Amen. That. Judas would never allow that change. He would never let change come into his life. And if we don't allow change to come into our life and become something better than we were today, then we're denying Jesus of his divine power to come into our life and make us something different, something better. Amen. <clears throat> Conclusion to that is that Judas rejected change entirely. And we can't fall into that. You don't want to be falling, I've gone far enough. <laughs> I ain't changing no more. We want that change every day. Renewing of our mind every day. To keep that change, you know. We all feel that immediate change when you come in out of the sinful world and you're baptized and, and you got the shout and you're, that change. You got to hold on to that change. Because then after that change, you got to start developing this into the change that's inside of you. And that's the hard thing. It's discipline. We don't like that word. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard. It takes a lot of prayer. Fighting and kicking to get through that change. But that change is what brings upon the blessings of God. When you make that change, that moves you into something else and God's able to bless you. Amen. But if you just want to stay back in the old way, in the old man, God can't bless that. It don't work that way. I wish I could make it work that way. It'd be a lot easier. But your blessing is in the change. And Judas could never grab a hold of that. Amen. <clears throat> Number two lesson is Judas wanted to give Jesus something, but not everything. And you say, well, how do you get that? John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. A woman by the name of Mary breaks open this ballaster jar, this jar, and she pours this in oil on him, takes her tears and her hair, washes his feet. What's Judas's response? Judas is so... Aside from the... I mean, this, this thing that just happened was a pretty... It's the difference between sitting in a church where you just listen to them sing and a difference of getting up and shouting and praising while the singing's going on. You know what I'm saying? 
Okay, so it was very dramatic what she did in front of everybody. So dramatic that Judas speaks up and says, I can't believe she just took a year's worth of money and poured it out on you. There were so many other things that we could have done with that. <laughs> and Jesus looks at her and says, you leave her alone. She's worshiping me. That worship was so dramatic to him. He was like, that's crazy that somebody would worship God to that point. Of course, one of the points we're going to get on is I don't know that he believed he was God. He wasn't upset about the woman giving something. What he was upset about was the woman gave everything. This was a year's worth of money. And we, we get kind of the suggestion that she was, that she was a prostitute through what we see. We don't know for sure, but it would make sense for her to be not, you know, we, we, it's what we think. So anyway, she gives away everything from her perspective. Judas was fine. He's fine with the guy, okay, I'll give you 10 bucks. <laughs> you know. But Jesus had a problem with, with, the, with the lady that came up and gave her last two pennies. He, he couldn't handle that kind of thing. And that's what Judas was registering as he looked across there was, my God, what is she doing? She could have just used half the jar. <laughs> you know? We got to be careful that we just want to give Jesus something and we don't want to give him everything. <clears throat> when people just give something and not everything, they end up losing it all. And that's what we've seen Judas do by the end of his life. He lost it all. He even lost at the end of it the last 30 pieces of silver that he traded out. He threw it all the ground too. He lost it all. And that's what we find is people that just want to give a piece, that just want to give a part, but don't want to give themselves all to Christ. They will lose it all at the end. <clears throat> Judas came. I have to read my writing. <laughs> Judas came to a point that he had lost it all because he said, I will give God something, but not everything. The joy in the Christian walk is when you say, Lord, if I have it, it's yours. That's joy. Whatever I have, if I got $1,000 in the bank and you want it, Lord, it's yours. Sometimes it's just he says, I just want you to be there for somebody. I just, just, you come across somebody and sometimes they just need a hug. Whatever it is. It can be anything or everything. But you have to get to the point that, you know, and it took me a while to get there too, where I finally got to the point, I was like, everything is his. My whole bank account's his. If he wakes me up tomorrow morning, he says, I want you to go drain that bank account and take it down to Brother Darrell. That's what I have to do because that's not my money. That's God's money. Amen. 
<laughs> Daryl's amen, amen. <laughs> but you have to get to the point where you say, everything I have is yours. My relationships are yours, Jesus. I'm going to behave in my relationships like your word says to behave. I'm going to receive those relationships like you've taught me to receive in those relationships. My future is in your hand. This is a hard one. I'm not going to worry about what happens during this situation because I know that you are in control, that you are in my life, that your hand is going to touch something because I have given everything to you. So my future belongs to you. I'm not going to take this into my own hands, my own sinful hands, and try to make it something because I think it will work this way. I'm going to go to the Word of God and I'm going to say, the Word says this is how I'm supposed to do these things. This is how I'm supposed to walk through these doors. Because the Word says so. And I believe all my faith and all of my might and all of my future lies in the hands of Jesus Christ this moment. Amen. I believe that this word is alive inside of my soul, inside of my heart. I can move mountains with this book. Amen. And even though my mind may say, I can't have this or can't obtain that, the world says you need to do it this way. You need to walk this way. But God says, no, if you walk in my way, I shall bless you abundantly. I shall bless you shook down, pressed down, shook up and overflowing. Do you believe that he is God of your life and your relationships? Do you believe that he is the God of your future. Amen. Do you believe that he is the God of your mind? You got to give him your mind. That's a hard thing. That's what I talked about earlier. Take every thought into the captivity of Christ. When you see that woman, fine woman that's walking across there, you have to stop it at that point. You can't bring those thoughts out of your words. We're all human. <laughs> I just quieted everybody with that, didn't I? But this is the reality of life, okay? Is that, yes, your husband, boyfriend, whatever, they can have a thought and not even trying to have that thought. That's life. And you can too. <laughs> it can go the other way. Some man says something sweet to you. <laughs> well, that was nice. <laughs> he made me feel like I was on top of the world. But that thought has to be taken into captivity of Christ and say, no, we're not acting on that thought. We're not going to talk about that thought. We're not going to give that thought an edgeways and give the devil a place to grab a hold of in my life. Amen. So we got to give our mind to Christ, our bodies to Christ. And of course, our money. Amen. Because I kind of talked about that in the beginning. But, but bless God, He wants it all. He wants you to lay that all out bare before Him and give it to Him. Amen. It isn't easy sometimes because it goes against what the world wants, what everybody says, what you feel inside. This thing isn't about your feelings and your emotions. 
Amen. This is about the word of God and standing on the truth and the promises that God has given you. Amen. And like I said, it's not always about money. I want you to remember in Acts where Peter and John walked up and they said, money and silver have I none. But the next words, all that I have, I'm going to give it to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, arise and walk. And he arose and walked. It ain't always money. It's everything. It is the money. It is the, the mind, the body, the, your future, your relationships. Everything has to rest in your life upon the word of God. If you do that, now, Judas wouldn't allow that to come in. Judas just wanted to give a little bit. He wanted to give something, but he didn't want to give everything. <clears throat> Lesson three. Are you enjoying this this morning? Amen. God has a plan for your life. Are you willing to believe him? Are you willing to put forth your faith into Jesus Christ? If you're willing to do that, and you'll give to him, I promise you, I promise you. It won't be perfect to your eyes, but you will be blessed in the eyes of God. And you'll have treasures in heaven. Because as you look around, I want you to understand that in another 50 years, a lot of these people that are here are not going to be here. Probably me included. Amen. It's quick. Well, I was going to give them 50. You want to smack them down to 10. <laughs> it's short. Our treasures in heaven are more important than this. And sometimes it's hard. We get caught up into things. But those are the most important things. The things that you do. You know, I've been there many a times with Billy and Kenny, how they'll close shop when they had their shop and pray with people, pray for people, and, and never ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And all of those things, they didn't did it, do it for the reward, but there is a reward for that yes, yes. in heaven. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen? So the third point... I'm going to make is he called worship a waste. What this woman did was a very dramatic act of worship. Now, you, you think about it. It's going to make some of you all feel uncomfortable, maybe even myself, if we're all sitting around the dinner table and all of a sudden somebody comes in and, and goes down to somebody's feet and starts crying and washing their feet and pouring oil on them. You know, this wasn't something that was just done all the time back then. This was pretty dramatic. I mean, everybody at the table, I don't know if any of them knew really what to think. But you think about how you would do that. How you would relate to that and, and think about it. The Word says to worship Him. Amen. And her praise and worship, 
He called that a waste of time. There was something else that he could do with that time instead of washing the feet of Jesus, amen. There was something that he could do instead of crying and weeping over the word of God and praising the word and lifting his hands up towards heaven. But I got news for you is that praise and worship is not limited to the Pentecostal people, amen. I'm going to tell you this, that the Baptists, the Methodists, the Catholics, all of them, they can lift up their hands towards heaven. They can use their instruments to praise God. And it says, lift up your voice and shout to the heavens, amen, and bless the Lord thy God. And it's in the Word of God, according to Psalms 150, 148, 135, 117, 109, 107, 69, 43, 42, 28, and 22. Amen. He says to lift up his name and praise him. I'm going to tell you this. Through all that i ever done, the secret to success and making it through was to praise and to worship him. It didn't matter what was going on in my life. It doesn't matter how unfair it felt, how much I was crying, how much I was down. I praised and worshiped his mighty name. I praised and worshiped the one that I knew was going to carry me through to the other side. Amen. And he did. He did all he promised and more. Amen. He is greatly to be praised. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're doing, I don't care what sin you're committing. That's why I will never, no matter how bad a sinner is, the sinner will always be able to come up and to worship. Amen. I don't care what he's doing. I don't care where he's going through. Because worship is the key to success in Christ. It's what gets you through. He says, if you draw nigh unto me, I shall draw nigh unto you. How else can you draw nigh unto him unless you worship him? Unless you lay down yourself bare before him and you crawl up towards him. Amen. So we cannot deny the sinner the right to worship him and to lead him up there so that he can walk boldly through the crown of grace and be healed. Amen. Through his worship, the drug addictions will fall off. Through his worship, he'll walk out of sexual sins. Through his worship, he will walk out of deceitfulness and lying. Through his worship, amen. So worship is not a waste of time, amen. But Judas thought that it was a waste of time. A lot better things she could have done, he thought. <clears throat> Four. He knew about Jesus, but he did not know him. And how can you say that when he's been there for three years with him? Sure, same room, they slept in the same room, ate in the same room. Well, you can see this example if you go to Matthew chapter 26, 25. During the Last Supper, Jesus, for the second recorded time, says, one of you is going to betray me. 
11 of the apostles responded in this way. Lord, is it I? But Judas' response was, Master, is it I? In other words, teacher, is it I? The other ones called him Lord. He didn't call him Lord. Amen. You can read that in Matthew chapter 26, verse 25. And that's what it says. He didn't know him. He knew about him, been around him. But he didn't know. He knew what he was, but didn't know who he was. Does that make sense? He knew he was a teacher, but he didn't know that he was Lord. <clears throat> he hadn't came to that. It's a po it is possible to attend church and know about Jesus, but not know Him. It's possible to grow up in a family, a Christian, a good Christian family, and know about Jesus, but you don't know Him. I see it all the time. We expect some, you know, people, they get knowledge, they get all this, but I watch their lives sometimes and I'm going, but you're not changing, you're not correcting some things. And that shows me that their relationship with Jesus isn't there. They have it here. They could even be anointed. You can have all those things. You know, I went over that lesson with Samson and showed how he was anointed. But yet, because of his decisions that he made, nobody would follow him. <laughs> As they seen, that ain't right. <laughs> he kept making these bad decisions. And at the end of it, he finally seen. He saw the light, so to speak, when he was blinded. Amen. So... You can have all of that and have no change, no worship, only giving something instead of everything. But here's one of the most amazing things that Jesus did. And you got to imagine how difficult it is. And I know sometimes in my ministry I deal with things like this too. And the word's explicit on how to deal with things, deal with people oughts and all that but Jesus never exposed him for three years Jesus gave him the opportunity to change for three years now there did come an end there is an end so uh, there came an end to this to his story where his unwillingness to change his unwillingness to grab a hold of Christ cost him everything. Amen. Point five. <clears throat> Judas had incorrect timing. This is a little out of the box. But I think it works very well. Now, Judas, if we try to look at it from his perspective... Okay, now he has seen all these miracles. Okay, he has seen Jesus elude many times, we read about it, elude the leaders and not get hurt. I don't think that Judas 
realized what was going to happen to Jesus. I think that he thought he was hurrying up the kingdom of God. And what his kingdom is, and a lot of Judaism has this idea, this concept, that's why they didn't understand it. Even when you read Judaism today, is that they felt like that Israel itself here was going to be be go going to be the ultimate power and all the glory was going to come back to it. They was going to overthrow the Roman Empire at that time. So Judas probably felt like, this is a little outside the box, that he was pushing this forward. I believe that Judas thought there's no way that this Jesus is going to let them take him. And that he's going to start a revolution. I'm going to hurry up this revolution. So Judas probably sat down and, and demise that. You, you could see that, the human mind, saying, well, I will just get this thing going. I'm doing my part, doing what I'm supposed to do here. And I don't think he really thought that anything was going to happen to him. He thought, I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep my 30 things of silver, which I've kind of often wondered if the money bag wasn't 30, 30 pieces of silver short anyways. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's why he needed 30 pieces, because he could have got a lot more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's sad. But, <clears throat> but Judas was looking for a political kingdom. And as we know, Christ didn't bring a political kingdom. He brought a spiritual kingdom to this earth. Amen. <clears throat> he thought he was pushing Jesus. And that goes to show us that we can't make God hurry up to do the things in our life that we want him to do. You can't say, well, Lord, you need to fix this in one year. You got six months. <laughs> Either you fix this church and you get it fixed up, Lord, in six months or I'm leaving it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think you should leave the church that God's called you to until he tells you to. <laughs> that That's... And that ain't always easy, but uh, we need to let God be God and trust Him with our timing in our lives. Don't get pushy. Well, Lord, if you don't bring me somebody to marry in six months, and I'm going out and get my own. <laughs> <laughs> And then you're going to bless it. <laughs> come on. Come on. That, that's, that's, what, that's what we... Instead of waiting for God's timing, when you're developed correctly, the other person's developed correctly, and God brings that together. And it ain't always as pretty as we would like it to be. It ain't always as harmonious. But if you two come together in the name of Jesus Christ, you can work through those things. Amen. The sixth thing, I got seven of them. Hopefully we can get through them real quick. The sixth thing that we learn from Judas is if you ever get your hands on Jesus, never, ever let him go. Mark chapter 26, verse 48 we find where Judas tells them, I'm going to go up and give him a kiss. 
But when you get your hands on him, you do not let him go. When you get a hold of Jesus and you find that love and that mercy and that compassion and you find that purpose that he's put you here for, don't you ever, ever let anything come in the way and ever let go of the throne of grace of God under any circumstances, under any decisions that you make, under anything that you're going through, you cannot allow anything. You grab a hold of him with everything you have and you never, ever, ever, ever let go. Amen. When you find freedom and you've been delivered, you do not let that go. You don't fall back into that thing. You don't grab a hold of the same thing that you just came from. You grab a hold of Jesus Christ and you never ever let go. You lay down the drugs. Amen. You lay down those sinful behaviors that you had and he says you're delivered. You ain't got to walk back into that joint and look at them naked women no more. You don't have to do that. You can walk them out. He delivered you from that. But don't walk back in the doors that you just came out of. Amen. Don't let go of Jesus because you have to let go of him to reach and grab a hold of something else. Any deceitful alignments and all that stuff, let go of it. If you have a hold of Jesus, you're not going to do it. You don't have to worry about all that sin coming in. If you got a hold of Jesus and you never let the that undying love Leave your sights and your grip. You grab a hold of him with everything you have. And the more that the world and the flesh tries to grab a hold of you and pull you back into something, you grab a hold of Jesus even that much more. Amen. And you never, ever, ever, ever let go of Jesus. Amen. Because this I'm going to tell you, the word of God, and I've seen it time and time again. What happens when you let go of him and you walk back and you grab a hold of the other thing? How many more demons come inside of you? How much more do you have to fight to ever get back out of it? The word says it, and it happens every time. How many people have we seen swallowed? They come in, they get delivered. God says, you don't have to do that no more. And then a couple weeks later, we find them wallowing like an old pig in their sin again. We're going, you're a lamb. It don't work no more like that. Get that dirtiness off. You have to walk out of it. Amen. And if you grab a hold of Jesus Christ with everything you have, you have the power and the ability to walk out of that. It's only when we let go. So if one thing we can learn from Judas is once you get a hold of him, you don't ever let him go. Amen. Praise the Lord. And seventhly, And this is a rough one. If you don't finish your assignment, someone else will. The gospel didn't die with Judas. His works didn't die with him, amen. The apostles sat around and they gave it to somebody else, amen. They pulled some lots. They had two people up, pulled some lots, and one of them took his place. And here's the reality, is that in a heavenly place, there's 12 foundations. One of those foundations, his name is blotted out, and somebody else's name is put on there, amen? And the same thing can happen to us. 
If we won't walk in our calling and do what God wants us to do, our name can get marked right off of that stone and he'll put somebody else's name on there for that foundation to build. Amen. Whatever it was he called you to do, somebody else will do it. And I tell you what, he'll go grab some drunk druggie out of a bar, clean him up, and pull him in, and he'll do the job. Amen. God will go anywhere, wherever he has to go. He will find somebody to do his work. Because the most important thing that you have to remember is that God doesn't need me, but I need God. God will get somebody to replace me. You are replaceable from that point of view. If I don't get up here and do what God has called me to do by His anointing and His power, to preach the gospel as we're doing this morning, to preach the truth, He will get somebody else to stand up here. You fear not. The kingdom of God is forever and ever, and amen. Sometimes... You know, and I've seen a lot of people come through the church that had callings. And they wouldn't fulfill them. They wouldn't do them, whether it was in the church, in their families, whatever. But somebody else did. In every case, God does not fail His people and He does not fail His works. Amen. And... with the things that we can learn through Judas. How to hang on to this glorious thing that we've been given. How to walk worthy in the vocation of our calling. It ain't easy. You can stumble, you can fall, but you can get back up. That's the difference between the sinner and the saint. Is the saint will not wallow in his sin. He'll get up out of that sin and say, Lord, I need to walk in a different way. I need change. I need you to change me. I need to accept this change. I want to grab a hold of you and never let go of you. Amen. Amen. But that is the reality. And none of us, I believe, in here are Judases. I hope, I hope you don't. I hope you don't fall to that. I can't stop it if you make that choice. And I've seen a lot of people make that choice and have nothing at the end. Amen. Lose it all, trying to hold on to it all. Kind of makes some of those things that Jesus said make sense when you watch this man's life. You know, for three years. And, and I hope that, you know, that we lead people to the relationship with Jesus Christ. That they grow in the truth and the knowledge of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord this morning. Yeah.